Welcome to the BAM Biz Talk podcast hosted by BAM Biz Hub, also known as the B Squared Hub Accelerator Program. We are a 501c3 nonprofit providing ideation, commercialization methodology, and mentorship to startups, early stage, and growth-driven businesses in the Permian Basin and beyond. The B Square Hub Accelerator Program is 100% online with access to the BAM team for curriculum questions, resources, and mentorship, as we are the only accelerator in the Permian Basin where face-to-face mentorship is available right here at home. We have over 900 enrollments in the B-Square Hub Accelerator Program and are constantly seeking to add more courses and resources to create opportunities for you. Our team, board of directors and mentors are vast and experienced in an array of disciplines culminating in a well-rounded group of resources for our startups and businesses preparing to either enter the market or accelerate their growth. To find out more about us, go to bambizhub.com or call to set up a free consultation at 1-833-BAM-IDEA or 432-247-8840. That's 247-8840. Contact us for podcast sponsorship opportunities. Bam! Here we are again with the Bam Biz Talk Podcast. I'm Angel Garcia, and I'm here with Michael Crane. And today we have a very special guest, leadership coach Ken Noble. Welcome, Ken. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Angel. Thank you guys for having me on today. It's uh, it's exciting to be here. It's exciting to have you on. Uh, you know, you you uh, you have quite a storied uh, career here, and we're very interested in that because you help develop companies, entrepreneurs, uh, you know, people that make the world go round. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know. Um, it's funny. I uh, I started my my business, Noble Leadership Solutions, there in the Permian Basin, and uh, I remember when Michael was launching uh, BAM and everything. I was super excited to to see that take place. Since then, of course, I moved to Waco, uh, but you know I still send uh, any referrals that I get from the Permian Basin to Michael. And uh, man, I just believe in what he's doing, and I'm excited to see BAM continue to grow and explode. Man, we appreciate that. Yeah, love the support. Hey, buddy, tell us a little bit about your background and, and possibly what you're doing today in regards to even when you're here in Midland um, and now where you are today. Yeah, well, um, for me, I started out um, as a blue collar worker. My parents, you know, my dad was a blue collar guy. Uh, he spent the last 20 years of his life working, uh, working as a convenience store clerk there in my hometown. My mom was a waitress. She was a uh, grocery store uh, clerk. I mean, she just did all kinds of things. So growing up, you know, there wasn't this this drive to excel or even this this mental um, position of be more, achieve more. They were just thrilled that I graduated high school. Um, you know, I was on my own right after high school at 18 years of age. And, uh, you know, I just was taking whatever jobs that I could go into the next level that had better pay, better benefits. Um, and then I, um, about my mid twenties, after I'd gotten married and had my first kid, I got, uh, I got involved in my local church. Um, at the same time I'd started working for a large healthcare system there in big spring. And, um, I started off kind of at the bottom level as a maintenance technician. And I had this powerful spiritual, uh, conversion experience. And that led me into volunteering more at my church and listening to to spiritual, personal growth and development. 
and I started volunteering more. And as I started doing that and began to open up my mind to the possibilities of expanding myself and people around me, my pastor gave me my first personal growth and development book. I was volunteering at the time with youth ministry and uh, was struggling to build a team. And he gave me my first uh, book and it was the 17 laws of teamwork by John Maxwell. That book put me on a trajectory of kind of creating my own personal university, as it were. I began to voraciously read anything and everything I could from John Maxwell to Ken Blanchard, um, Malcolm Gladwell, Jim Collins, wow. just all of all of the leadership guys, the gurus of the day back in the, the you know, uh, late 90s. Uh, of course, I was listening to leadership development stuff by Andy Stanley and all of that in the church world. And not only did I begin to become more successful leading in the church world and the nonprofit, um, I began to raise the bar of leadership there in where I was working uh, at that healthcare system. And I eventually became the maintenance uh, supervisor over my clinic, became the, the maintenance supervisor over several, and then we kind of became a regional director over several clinics in the West Texas area. And, uh, and back then, uh, when I was traveling a lot, we called it tape time. It was back before podcasts and all that. And so I had all these leadership tapes that I would order and I would listen to while I was driving. And then I got my, my very first iPod and you could download all of that stuff. And it was pretty amazing. And so eventually I left the corporate world and went into uh, the church full time and spent uh, 19 years in the church world total. Seven of that was volunteer kind of bivocational. Then I started going into larger churches and I was always considered kind of a U-turn leader. Uh, churches would hire me to come in and help turn things around. And eventually what happened is, is I ended up in a mega church. And I wasn't operating in my sweet spot. Now, then at this time, I'd already become a John Maxwell team certified member. And then it joined men mentorship through their program. Um, but I, I was doing masterminds in the evening after work. I was doing, uh, you know, taking time off and going and doing training for companies there. You know, things like Chevron and Callan Oil and some other other oil companies and, and uh, organizations there in the Permian Basin. And eventually, let me, let me interrupt real quick. Let me ask, yeah. what kind of training were you doing? I think that was really interesting. In fact, at Chevron. Yeah. Uh, can you well, shed some light on that? Yeah. So essentially what I was doing and kind of the, the model of business is just go give, go do free trainings, right? Let people kind of taste and see what you do. Um, and so I was doing things like the 15 laws of growth, the, the developing the leader within you those kind of trainings from the John Maxwell library that, that, you know, I had access to, to train on. Um, and then, uh, I stepped into the uh, executive director role in March of 2019 and left full-time ministry to, to launch my, my business full-time in, uh, July of 2019. And so, yeah, so I was, uh, I'd done some things for legacy oil at the time, or excuse me, legacy reserves, uh, I'd done uh, several courses with them on the 15 laws of leadership for one of uh, two of their departments. And I was just really enjoying all of those things uh, because I wasn't kind of getting that fulfilled in the church world as much anymore. Right. You know, I'd love to have you come here and teach one of those courses. Um, I know oh. the interacting that you get out of that. In fact, I've heard some really good comments about some of those things that you've done. 
Uh, that's why I oh, think it's really you. important. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I think that's really important to really expand on some of that to, for these audience, for our audience, to know that you you are the kind of guy that's available, that's willing to talk and oh, uh, yeah. give give uh, free advice uh, and, yeah. and maybe pushing people in the right direction. And and this is really why I'd like to have you on our podcast more often is to yeah. kind of give some leadership insight. Um, and mm-hmm. maybe guide people in the right direction. So excuse me yeah. for uh, interrupting. I, I just had to throw no. that out there because uh, to me, that was some of the greatest things that I've heard that you've done. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, um, when you're first starting out, and I, you can attest to this as well, right? It's all about showing up and adding value wherever you can go and building that reputation of a person that is is knowledgeable, that has good, solid wisdom, that is uh, – that, that can help people solve their problems. And so that's just kind of how I've always been. That's how I ended up in the ministry. Um, but I'll be honest with you. Some of the hardest struggle for me, uh, because I know a lot of what we do in leadership involves mindset as well. Some of the hardest struggles for me was going from fee free to fee because, you know, when you're in the church world, you're, you're just expected to give all the time. And I, I began to realize that giving all the time was hindering me from receiving as well. And it was kind of getting a little hard to pay bills at times. Yeah. And so um, I, I really had to kind of come to grips with understanding how much I'd invested in all the leadership training and development I'd been through through the years, the conferences I'd gone to, all of that, and then learn how to put a price tag on that, um, especially in the consulting world, you know. Um, and so. So, yeah. Um, then, of course, 2020 hit in the pandemic and I couldn't do leadership training and development. Right. You couldn't have more than 10 people in a room. And at that time, we had found out that my my father in law was uh, dealing with some issues again. And my wife and I, we we fast we prayed and we said, you know what, um, we think it's time to move closer to the family. Be, being kind of locked in the church world, you couldn't just pick and choose where you went. And we talked for years about moving closer to them. So we decided in the middle of the pandemic in June of 2020 to move to Waco. And, uh, man, I, you know, I, uh, I did what any normal sane person would do when you move to a new city. Uh, you freak out and you go find a regular job. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, because, you know, just just like any, you know, self-confident, uh, self-made entrepreneur. When the money dries up, the first thing you go is, oh, crap, I got to get a job. Uh, <clears throat> but every morning when I went, I only worked this job for a week. Every morning when I got up and I was leaving for work, I heard uh, echoing in my mind, you can work hard to build your dream or somebody will pay you to work hard to build theirs. Um, and after about a week, I just went in and I said, look, I, I can't do this. My wife and my father-in-law were like, Ken, what are you doing? You spent all this money. Uh, you know, doing all this training and development, you're great at what you do, go out and, and just do what you love. And so I was like, all right, fine. So um, I immediately joined the Waco chamber and got involved in a couple of networking organizations. And the problem in 2020 was I couldn't do leadership training and development. So I had to pivot to one-on-one coaching, which has always been a piece of what I did with my, with my business but then I had to pivot to making that kind of the forefront because, you know, unless I was doing a zoom, which I'd done several zooms in 2020 um, with, you know, some very, very well-known oil company. Uh, I created a custom leadership training program just for them. 
And that was kind of the big brunt of what helped me get through 2020. And so in 2021, I'm trying to hone, you know, my coaching business, but I knew how to coach, but I didn't know how to build a coaching business. So 2021 was a lot of understanding how to do the target markets and the niches and all of those things. And, you know, so here we are in 2023, brand new year. And um, one of my mentors has challenged me to go on a podcast tour and tell my story. You know, I've got a very unique story. I went from uh, a poor West Texas kid with a blue collar family to um, personal growth and development that literally changed my life, along with the spiritual growth and development that was happening at the same time, uh, to the point where, you know, I was very successful in the nonprofit world for 20 years, and now I own my own business. And so they're like, man, that's such an inspiring story. You got to get out and you got to you got to tell your story. And so. Um, I was looking around going, who do I know that has a podcast? And you are my first <laughs> podcast. Good. Man, I'm glad to my hear that. 2023 tour. Awesome. Well, so, welcome so. to your tour. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm really, really excited about it. Um, you know, having good mentors and coaches in your life is key. Uh, if you want to grow and expand, I don't care what business you're in. You know, even if you're a CEO working for a large company, you're an individual um, or you're, you know, you're just a small business, having coaches and mentors in your life to help you get to where you want to go is key because they're going to push you to go where you want to go and get you past your uncomfortable spots and those sabotaging beliefs. And the best thing about that too, is you're being challenged along the way to do more than what you're typically used to doing. So you really are growing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the way that humanity is designed is we're we're wired to continually grow throughout our whole lives. You know, there's no, there's, I mean, my father-in-law is a prime example. He's over 80. He doesn't look it at all. Um, but he's continually challenging himself to do things around his farm. I mean, he's, he's overcome his health issues. Uh, once again, he's such a fighter. He's a inspiration, but he's always focusing on what's the next thing I can do. How can I improve this? How can I do that? And he's young looking, um, he's full of vitality. Uh, I mean, he's just a great guy. And so, you know, I, I think that there really is no cap on the human potential, except the cap that we put on ourselves by our limiting beliefs and kind of that self-sabotage that we, that we all struggle with. I don't know anybody who doesn't do it to some degree. Absolutely. Um, I think self when you, when you are looking at something that's not going to work, the positivity of you wanting to move forward is a restraint of staying where you are. Um, yeah. And I see that a lot, even in startups. We, we have startups that come in and they have somewhat of a good idea and they, they really want to solve somebody's problem. It's not about the money as much as maybe it's about the problem. I find those to be more successful than those who come in and say, I got a million dollar idea. Uh, I rather yeah. hear the idea that, you know, when you walk in, you say, Hey, look, I've got an idea that's going to solve millions of people's problems. Well, right there, yeah. I think we're off to a really good start because now we have a purpose that's, uh, you know, more of a, 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 a community uh, development more than just uh, a money development. Um, yeah. And then I find people who get to that point where they don't know what direction to go. They do. They seem to, uh, well, destroy whatever they have in their path because they... They just don't know what to do with it or they're, they're over the you know borderline of what they can take in. 
Um, uh-huh. Or maybe they've just decided that, look, this may not be for me. And the only way that I can show it to the rest of the people is just go ahead and show failure, be a failure in what I'm trying to do. So, uh, well, Michael, an, an, another thing that I've noticed is a lot of times people don't feel like they're worthy enough to have what uh, they've attained. Yeah, there you go, too. Absolutely. And that was always my biggest struggle. And, I, and to, the, to this day, I still there's some parts of me that I have to beat back, you know, that the, those, those old mindsets try to creep in and you go, wait, no, 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 no. I'm past this. Go away. You know, and. So, I mean, like any good mindset coach and developer, I have affirmations that I speak over myself every day, you know, just to remind myself, uh, you know, the, the power of the spoken word over your life uh, is, is huge uh, because it's you're literally rewiring your subconscious mind to believe and overcome so many falsehoods that you may have thought or had spoken over you at, when you were younger. You know, that's a really good point, Ken. Um, you know, when, when you're when you're talking about affirmation, when you you said spoken. So when you're doing this, yeah. you're actually saying it out loud to yourself. It's not you're not sitting in meditation and quietly in your head, but it's out loud. No, it's out loud. And and the reason why is when you when you study how the conscious and subconscious works, um, you, you begin to realize that spoken words um they're, they're vibrational, right? Because when you mm. speak, you, you know, it's, it's literally, it's vibrations that you're right. sending out and your ears and other people's ears pick up on those vibrations and translate that into words that they're then processed into the thought that you understand. I absolutely so, love that. Yeah. And so in, in, in mindset and, and personal growth and development, we talk about vibrational frequencies and, you know, sometimes people you know, take this to the extremes and it's all metaphysics and all of that. And that plays a very important role in it. Um, but as a, as a person of faith, one of the things that I was taught early on in my spiritual walk is that, you know, scripture is very clear that there's power of life and death in it, in your tongue. And, you know, you'll eat of the fruit therein. And so there are biblical principles that are universal laws. And so, uh, you know, there's just this universal law that how you speak ultimately creates the world that you live in. And, you know, we see this all the time with people that are in a a victim mentality. Everything is everyone else's fault, you know, and it's not my fault. And they just kind of end up in this downward spiral of victimization. And so what happens is, is when you're speaking out loud, you're literally speaking that vibrations, those vibrations into the world around you. Your ears are receiving those vibrations and it's going into you. Right. Um, and so the way your subconscious, your conscious and your subconscious works, your subconscious doesn't have a truth or lie filter. Right. What your subconscious hears, it automatically receives as truth. And so in order to, your conscious mind automatically rejects or accepts. But if you hear something over and over and over again, you're a failure, you're no good. You know, eventually, even though you say, well, that's not true. Eventually your subconscious begins to pick up on that because it's repeated so much that then it begins this internal tape loop where you're internally constantly thinking about, man, I'm no good. I'm a failure. I can't do anything right. Blah, 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 blah. Um, even though subconsciously you're doing your best internally, you have this internal conflict that, that says, Hey, you're not good enough. You don't deserve this, this success that you've achieved. You know, yeah, you may be this, 
you may know a lot of things, but do you, are you really qualified to do the things, right? There's always this, and, and some people, some people who are grown up in, in, you know, wonderful households and mom and dad told them they could do anything. I mean, have you ever seen somebody that you're like, how in the world did they ever achieve this level of success? Because they're just, they just don't really have it. <laughs> right? right. Well, it's because, you know, in their mind, they, they believe that they could, right. They, they, they were set up for success by that, the, the external monologues they were given as children um, and young adults and those kind of things. And then they began to believe everything so much that they just felt like they were invincible and they could attain it. And so they did. You know, that that's so, awesome. <clears throat> Uh, like the the verbiage of it, right? So like you just brought mm-hmm. up a childhood, you know, the little train that thought he could, I think I can, I think I can. Mm-hmm. So the the way you say it, it matters as well, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, when I'm working with clients one-on-one and they'll say things like, well, I, I think I could do that. Well, do you think it or do you know it? Do you have all the resources? Well, yeah, yeah, I've got all the resources. Do you have the right the right people in your in your team that, that can help you achieve that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well then why do you think you can, if everything's there, you can. And so, you know, you, you have to help retrain people. And that goes back to a, to kind of a, another biblical principle or a universal law uh, about, you know, uh, don't be conformed to the world around you, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that involves speaking truth over your life over and over and over again. And to me, that's key. Uh, You know, for me, a lot of my personal growth and development sprung from my spiritual growth and development. And um, when I'm working with clients, I, I, I use a lot of those biblical or universal law principles without telling them that <laughs> to some degree, because I know that it's the truth in it and, and that it works. You know, I got a question in regards to a lot of this that you're talking about as well is there's a point in, in people's lives that they, and we talked a little bit about it where Failure is just the, it's just where they're going. Um, <clears throat> and yet there, there's another part of this that I, I always had a hard time even thinking about how do you deal with is um, people believe and some people do and some people are more more ambitious than others. Uh, no matter what the uh, the crime scene looks like, they actually yeah. come out of their, their shell and they say, okay, well, today I'm really going to be accomplishing something more than maybe my mind or body can typically do. But then again, I've got to turn around and challenge myself. Um, and then we got those who turn the other cheek and said, well, I couldn't do it yesterday. Why should I do it today? Um, mm-hmm. How do you coach somebody in those two different instances? All right. So, so. Give me that question one more time. Okay, I've got a, a, a client, yeah. in fact, that comes in and honestly has a great idea, but they're just doing things, honest to gosh, to just make sure that they can't succeed. Um, they believe that this is the, the maximum I want to put out in effort, and because they don't put the full effort out there, well, they're going to fail. Um, until they realize yeah. to have what what they're what their full potential is. How do you teach somebody that currently what their potential is, is nowhere to where they could be. I used to be in a a university and teach 
And my God, I'd see people that were left and right just didn't have the they didn't feel they had the potential to to achieve the yeah. ultimate. And because of this, they would really cheat and and look for ways out to doing something easier. And, and the sad thing was they never fulfilled the opportunity that they were there in school to begin with. And that was to yeah. learn um, again. How do you turn that around? So, you know, you, you can be more than you can be. And because you want to be. Yeah. Well, I think, I think a lot of that stems from their own self-identity, right? And so, so they identify as a failure. They identify as someone who can't achieve. And so therefore they, they come at it from a scarcity mentality of if I'm going to achieve something, I've got to figure out a way around the system. And, and all that's doing is really handicapping them from growth. Exactly. Right. Um, you know, in like, let's, let's throw a, a hypothetical out there, right? You've got a student who feels that they're not smart enough because they never attained certain grades. And yet they, they end up in, in college on a scholarship because of, you know, maybe they were good at sports or they they have certain, you know, uh, ethnic markers or whatever. Um, but yet they've still got this underlying belief that they're not good enough. Right. And so what happens is, is, you know, leaders come in all shapes and, and sizes, right? They're not just business leaders, but teachers are leaders, counselors, school counselors are leaders, right? And what we have to do is, is there needs to be a leader that steps in to those kind of people and says, hey, hold on a minute. Let's stop and take a look at all that you've done, all that you've overcome, right? And help them to look for and rewrite the narrative of their life. Instead of their narrative always being, I'm a failure, I'm a failure, I'm a failure. It's no, wait, failure is an instance. It's not an identity. You are not a failure. You are successful. You are in college. Many people never get to college. So let's back up and say, where, where does this sense of failure come from? And you almost, not that you're doing psychological work, but you are dealing with the psyche to some degree and the mindset. <clears throat> and you help them to realize that they are empowered in every way to prosper, that they have the exact same you know, unless they have a diagnosis of, of a mental handicap, um, you know, there, there's really no reason that they, they're given the same brain, the same amount of hours in the day, you know, all of these things, they may have to work harder because they're, they're behind the eight ball, so to speak in certain areas. But if they're willing to do it, there are so many stories of people that have done it. Right. And helping them to see that and realize it, you know, um, and, and to me, that always goes back to the, the story of the four minute mile. Um, you know, nobody thought for, yeah. for years that the four minute mile was even attainable. And then one British um, runner broke it. I think it was in 19, the early 1900s. He broke it. And then within a year, 12 more people had broken it because once it, they know it can be done, yeah. right, it becomes possible. And I think helping people to see that it is possible and that they have to believe in themselves and then surround themselves with belief people that believe in them. Right. Um, you know, you're either they, they, the adage is, you know, you're most like the five people you surround yourself with. And so if you're surrounding yourself with people that don't believe in you, don't believe in your potential are constantly ragging on you, constantly pulling you down to their level, you need to change the people that you're around to people that are encouraging and uplifting and that believe in you. 
And I mean, that's kind of what a coach does to some degree is, you know, we, we come alongside our clients and we, we believe in them. We help them to, to think through their possibilities and we encourage them along the way. And at the same time, hold them accountable when they, when they back up from the potential of their success. Right. So it's, it's not an overnight thing by any means. Um, but I think the power of one positive person in someone's life can change their trajectory. You know, my, this kind of brings me back to my parents, what they used to tell me. And I remember this loud and clear when I was 12 years old. Mom said to me, you know, Michael, um, birds of a feather flock together. You tell me who your friends are and I'll tell you who you are. I've always listened to that uh, throughout my entire life. And as I got older, I realized the same analogy is true even in business. Uh, You tell me who you bring in. You tell me uh, how you interact with them. Tells me a lot about who you are. So Agreed. I see people that are actually looking for the low dollar client. And, uh, and I agree with that too, that, you know, everybody needs help. Let's go ahead and see what we can do to help. But their, their, their sites are not on the high end client to not only find the high end client, but also to increase their knowledge and their skills by putting another feather in the bird that you want to hang around with. Agreed. Agreed. And I'll be honest, when I first started coaching, that I mean, I started, I took my first coaching certification in probably 2015, maybe even a little bit earlier than that. Then it was through my church. And um, part of that was, you, of course, you have to go do so many volunteer hours coaching someone and helping them grow. And then when I started my business, I was a very low dollar per hour coach. One, because I didn't really have a lot of experience coaching, didn't feel like, you know, and at the time I was thinking, man, $99 an hour, that's pretty expensive. Um, but what I ended up realizing, and I say this to, to entrepreneurs and, and, and coaches too, is that Walmart prices bring Walmart clients. And I know that sounds kind of bad, but we all know the memes about nope. Walmart. I people. say that a lot. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I shop at Walmart. I've got one three minutes from my house. I, I go there on, on the regular. I'm kind of a Walmart person. I prefer Target. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. But when I'm going to shop for a suit, I go to men's warehouse or I go to Dillard's or something along those lines. Right. I'm not going to go get a suit from Walmart or Target. (laughs) Right. Um, Right. Um, And so so for me, I think that I agree 100 percent about those kind of things. And so whenever in 2021 I I had to pit or 2020, I had to pivot to more of the coaching side. I had no clue how to how to build a coaching business. I just knew what I'd experienced before and I wasn't a fan. Right. And so as I began to, to shift and go, okay. And started sitting around coaches that were in the multi-million dollar figures and they were talk, talking about how to build the business and kind of breaking through some of my mindsets uh, that they teach you in coaching school yeah. or coaching class, whatever it is. Right. Um, and I, I had to learn how to develop packages and what to offer in those packages and really over to under promise and over deliver, um, at the high price point. Um, and so, you know, even now, um, my price points, I consider them high, but they're actually low, uh, compared to probably 90% of the coaching programs out there. You know, and we teach this, um, we tell people, look, keep your price high to, to, um, 
to illustrate a high quality and then go ahead and be a Walmart and discount it for a short period of time to create mm-hmm. the call to action is now before this sale price goes away and the, the regular price comes on board. We also do this in a way that we antagonize our competitors because yep. when we're high, they're all going, well, what the heck have they got that I don't have? So mm-hmm. they, they try to go high. And then again, our call to action was very short. So the price comes yeah. back down to where we believe that uh, that's where we want to be. And the next thing yeah. you know, your competitors are hanging out in the wind because they're too high for everybody else. And yet people who have already established the relationship with you, they come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> one of the things, too, is no one has ever said that you can't do pro bono as a coach either. Yeah. Like, you know, it's okay to give back. If you see a need and you've got the bandwidth, you're, you're more than capable. And I'm talking from the coaching standpoint, right? Um, you're more than capable of giving a pro bono offer or even what they call a low bono, where it's very, very cheap in order to help someone that you see value in and you believe that they can achieve. Right. Right. You can always do that. Nobody's saying you can't, that you only have to do high ticket. Now then you have to limit how much of that giveaway that you have and, you know, making sure that those people you're holding them to the same standards as a high ticket client. Um, because if they succeed, then you've got more proof of concept, social proof, if you would, that your program works. And you can do that with, I mean, anything. It doesn't necessarily, you know, rest solely on coaching. Man, that's a great point. Do you see that there's a certain uh, ratio when it comes to that? Like uh, if you were to put a number on it, like uh, in, I think in the uh, in biblical terms, uh, the tithing, right? There's like a... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the tithe is one of those universal laws that, that's taught in, in kind of the, the, you know, the secret and the law of attraction, that kind of space, right? They talk about the law, law of the tithe and tithe literally means 10th. Right. So one tenth of all that you do, you should be giving away. Um, and what this does is one, this helps you not be attached to money and making money the, the sole thing that you're pursuing. Because when you pursue money, um, and you pursue stuff, it really corrupts you on inside. I mean, I don't know, like one of the most famous ones, I think it was Rockefeller. Um, Michael, you may, you may know the story too. Um, he was literally on his deathbed and he'd acquired all of this wealth and, and was very much money hungry. And then, um, during this, this illness, he decided that he was going to give away as much as he could. Yeah. And he ended up getting better. And then he literally established so many things through this massive amount of wealth that he'd acquired. And he ended up living longer and happier in the end. Yes, I do. You know, and I think the time that he was sick, too, he had a lot of time to actually put a strategy and thought process together. um, Mm -hmm. That this is the outcomes that he wanted to see happen. Exactly. No, nobody at the end of their life says, I wish I would have earned more money. Right. Yeah. You know, most people at the end of their life, they wish they would have spent more time with their family and that they would have done more to leave a lasting impact. Right. You know, especially, especially when it's like, Oh man, and you're, you're kind of reviewing your life. And that's why, you know, setting some time aside at the end of each year to kind of evaluate what you've done. What did you want to do? 
Um, have you achieved what you wanted to achieve? Did you, were you able to make an impact the way that you wanted to impact? And then planning for the future year ahead of you. Um, those things are key for, for longevity of business, for mental and emotional health. I mean, there's, there's a lot that, that plays into the mindset piece of, of, you know, what it is that we do. You know, and in our side to that, we usually try to tell people that the business model, for example, should be revisited year over year over year and taking consideration mm-hmm. where you've been, where you want to go, and then the methods and the milestones on how you're going to get there. Um, mm-hmm. The idea behind that is, is to look in the past and actually take a historical perspective of what you have accomplished to be able to understand what you can accomplish. Um, yes. And, and this is actually recorded into a business model that, you know, that provides you with the guidance to get to the next level. Mm-hmm. And I find people that don't do that wind up being stagnant. And I preach the, the idea that being stagnant is not being fresh, new and exciting. In other words, if I have exactly. a relationship with uh, anyone, including my wife, if I don't keep that fresh, new and exciting, well, it goes stagnant. Um, Absolutely. And if I don't do that with my clients, my customers, I wind up being stagnant. When that happens, people go looking for something else. Yes. Yeah, I I agree 100 percent. You know, it's it's one of these things where, you know, you look at uh, businesses like IBM versus Apple. Right. At one time, IBM had the majority of share of the market. Yes. But Apple said we're going to be fresh, new and exciting. And they're constantly pushing the edges, pushing the boundaries, coming up with something new to the point where it's almost, I don't want to say redundant, but how many times can you upgrade the phone, <laughs> the, the camera in an iPhone? You I know? mean, that's amazing um, that they've been able to do it this many times and yet be such a market yeah. leader because of that yeah. aspect of being fresh, new and exciting. Well, and what it is, is they've created this culture about their product, yes. right? I mean, you know, it's, if you're cool, if you're hip, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're one of the crazy ones, right. If you're cutting edge, you use our product and right. you know, you, you see Nike do it with, with shoes and, and athletic apparel, you know, and I mean, there are a lot of people that come and go, uh, but the ones that continue to stay on the front lines, continuing to offer more updated versions of what they have they're you know, they're successful. Right. I think that's a that's a great uh, bridge there, uh, Ken, because, you know, you brought up the word and I, I did want to talk to you about this, um, you know, culture, you know, a company mm-hmm. culture. When you when you go into a company and you're, develop, you know, going to give your leadership training, culture yeah. is a huge part of that. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, whenever I'm working with a company, I, I do what we call a discovery call. I mean, you see that happen in most businesses, right, where you're trying to learn exactly who it is they want. You do your research on the company. You're looking on their website. You're looking at their values and all those kind of things. And then when you're sitting down and, I, and talking with the, the decision makers and you're asking them, how does this play out and what does this look like? And they can't really answer a lot of times because a lot of times what's written on the walls, you, you know, their values, it's that they're not it's not happening in the halls. That's right. And so, and so you have to go, okay, like, I can't tell you how many companies that I've met with that leadership or innovation is one of their core values. And when I talk to them about it, they're like, oh yeah, we, we talk about leadership, uh, once a month in our, in, in a monthly meeting. 
Oh, okay. So it's like, you've got a whole hour to talk about leadership. Oh no, no, no. It's about 20 minutes. <laughs> and I'm like, so le- leadership is a core value for you. And you dedicate 20 minutes once a month to, to developing and, and creating that culture. It's like, is it really a value? I mean, that's what I want to say. I want to be very sarcastic <laughs> in that moment and go, is it really, you know, Yeah. because, because the truth is, is if, if you say that you have something that's a part of your culture, but it's not happening, it's really not a culture. Right. Right. Um, how's the, how's it go, Michael? Um, strategy trumps culture every time, every time, you right. know, it's funny you're and bringing this up because honestly, uh, the, the culture that I've always believed in is not just creating the buy-in, but cr- creating the trust within our own core process. So in other words, one mm-hmm. person has to depend on the next and the next and the next. But it's not something that we turn around and blame. It's, it's something that we turn around and help to accomplish the next level. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm working with an oil field services company there in, uh, in Midland right now. And they've, they've been hugely successful over the last 10 years. That's kind of my favorite group to work with is a company that has exploded over a 10 year period Yeah, and they've grown, but yet they're not sure how to lead because when you're forming a company, right, it's, it's, you know, everybody, everybody's balls to the walls doing everything and putting in 24 seven, you know, and building the company until you reach this level of success and you don't have to work as hard, yeah. but that mindset is still kind of there. And so this, the, the owner of the company came to me for coaching and he was talking about what he wanted to do for his company. So we started talking about, you know, what he wanted to do. And essentially he wants to empower his leaders, but he doesn't know how to do that. Right. He wants, instead of everybody coming to him and everything being bottlenecked with him, he wants to empower his leaders to make decisions. And he only has to do the big, the big calls, which right. that's exactly what you should do. And so the first thing that we had to start with is learning how to communicate with each other. And so we did some disc profiling based on communication and some on sales and, you know, kind of talked about that. Um, and, you know, we're, and we're still infantile in, in our leadership process training with those guys, but they're already seeing these, these huge results in company culture, company um, happiness level and those kind of things, because people are learning how to communicate with each other better say what they need to say in a way that the other person can receive it. And, and they're really creating this, this environment of teamwork and, and collaboration, which is exactly what you need. If you want to be successful, right? No company is going to thrive. If every single department is siloed off and nobody knows, you know, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. And sometimes you're defeating each other um, kind of competitively in, in unhealthy ways. You know, it's funny, too, that back in the day, we we used to have it to where, and I, I'd make this really quite loud and clear, I wouldn't want you in my office with a complaint. Don't come in my office and complain. I don't have time for that. But if you've got mm-hmm. a complaint with a solution, I really want yep. to hear it. Um, that tells me you're you're engaged in what this company is all about, number one. Number two is that you really care as to what the outcomes are because you depend on the, uh, the if you if you you know the the operation of the company to ensure you a paycheck. Uh, we're yep. all in it together. It's not like one is out there by themselves. Um, yep. Everybody has to contribute to make the dollar mm-hmm. to make sure that yes. the company survives. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And 
<clears throat> you know, you made mention um, about, I don't know, maybe five minutes ago uh, about, you know, in the early 90s, everybody was very mission mission and vision and driven. values based in yeah that's how they were driven and, and they're just not anymore and the crazy thing is that by 2025 75 percent of the workforce is going to be the millennial generation yeah and millennials are very very much interested in what the company's um vision and values are they want to be a part of something bigger than just getting a paycheck and working for 40 years you know and retiring to enjoy you know, 15. Man, I'm so happy that you mentioned that because <laughs> I I used to say it's it's missing and now I see it coming back. And I tell my new entrepreneurs that first and foremost, to have a value proposition, my God, yeah. you got to have some sort of mission because the mission and the value proposition are parallel. Yes, absolutely. Millennials, especially like I'm a Gen Xer. You know, as far as a Gen Xer is, is we just want good benefits to take care of our family. We want a good paycheck to, to provide, you know, because we grew up, you know, our generation was the first generation that had both parents working out of the home. Um, and so for us, we want to be able to provide for our family in a way that's comforting where, you know, we're not gone all the time. And so we're, we're more likely to stay with the company. But for the for the next generation, those millennials and the Gen Z's. They they want to work for a cause, you know, not necessarily for applause, as they say. Right. They, mm-hmm. they don't want the attaboy. I mean, they do want that to some degree. Hey, you're doing a good job. But they want to they want to know that what they're doing is changing the world around them. Right. Right. So if you're making flugel binders, you know, it's like, hey, man, these flugel binders, they they're they go into this machine that actually does this, which increases, you know, this and. You know, they want to know that their small part that they're playing for your company or your organization is making a bigger impact globally. Right. And one of the one of the crazy benefits that we're that we're seeing that attracts millennials is the ability to take time off off of work, but still get paid to go do community service. Like that's a huge value. And at the same time, if your company is doing that, the community notices it. And it drives more people to your business. So it's a win-win scenario all the way around, right? The employee's happier because they feel like they're making a difference in their community. The community's happy because your your company's giving back. And then you're happy because more people from the community are using your company. And so at the end of the day, it's it's a win for everybody, right? We all like win-win scenarios. Oh, absolutely. But a lot of times, companies are focused on that bottom line. And they're like, oh, I could never pay someone to go do community service and it's like my man you're missing out like this is an awesome networking opportunity to drive more traffic to your business yeah the uh, the return is much greater than the total cost i i, I definitely Absolutely. agree with that as well yeah there's certainly a trend going on where the social entrepreneurship aspect is is definitely uh you know making an impact all around us and yeah. it, you know it's a it's a great thing to see the evolution of that for sure yeah. You know, I, I was here in Waco for uh, maybe a year, year and a half. And, and I was asked to be on the board of directors for one of our local local chambers. And it was simply because I was showing up and I was adding value. I was helping others. Um, I was doing free, free lunch and learns, you know, speaking for the chamber. Um, then I was asked to be involved in the walk into Alzheimer's here. And now I'm on the executive committee helping for 
for to raise sponsorships and people are seeing that about me and what I do. I had one guy tell me, Ken, you're everywhere. It's <laughs> like, right. yes, I am everywhere. And I can be with you. If you want me to be, you want me to be with you on your team, helping you out. I want to be right. There's nothing wrong with doing it. And that goes back to the kind of that tithe principle we talked about earlier, right? When you're giving, right. It can't, the universe conspires to give back to you when you're giving. I mean, it just, it, it just, it is. Yeah. It's right? an inviting it's, it's, it's situation. Yeah. It's a law, <clears throat> you know, it doesn't matter what religion you are, right. Whether it's the golden rule to unto others, you know, or karma, what you, you know, what you put out in the world comes back or, you know, Christianity that says, so, and you shall reap. I mean, it's, it's just a universal law that if you give, it's going to return to you. Unfortunately, um, so many business people are so bottom line oriented that they lose the bigger picture. Yeah, that's so true. Let me ask you, Ken, what's the, we're going to have to start closing down, but one of the few questions I really wanted to ask is uh, for startups, uh, those who are just making their way, give them some advice on, and, and maybe what that success could look like, or there may be the foundation they need to put in place to maybe ensure some sort of level of success. Yeah. Well, the first thing I'm going to tell you is consistency matters. Um, show up even when you don't want to um, and be consistent. The, the, the daily disciplines determine your destiny, right? Showing oh, up every day with, with a, I want to use with that. a certain, yeah, yeah. That's, that's one of my, that's one of my personal quotes. So feel free to quote me. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was good. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, you, you hear it all the time. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've heard, you know, that your daily agenda determines, you know, your outcomes. But really, if you if you just make it simple, your daily disciplines determine your destiny. It's easy. It's memorable. It's portable. And it becomes a mantra for when you don't want to get up out of, out of bed in the morning. Right. Because it's one of my one of my friends told me this one time. He said, you know, as entrepreneurs, we have the God given right to procrastinate. And the reality is, is we can procrastinate our way into the poor house. That's and right. So <laughs> your, your daily disciplines showing up consistently every day, you know, creating your ideal week, right? Learning how to time block and set up certain days for certain times. You know, for me, Mondays, Mondays is, you know, for either podcast, podcast recording, study, setting meetings for the week. And then I try to book my own personal coaching with my coach on Mondays as well. Um, and that, that kind of keeps me going for the rest of the week because on Tuesdays I do trainings, um, and I've got coaching clients Wednesdays, uh, Wednesday evenings. I do some, some, uh, pro bono work. I MC for a local, uh, trivia at, at one of our, uh, breweries here in Waco, uh, make some great business connections like that. I mean, I'm just giving because my friends own this brewery and I'm giving out to that and it's coming back to me. You know, there's all those little things. Um, and then, of course, Thursdays, Thursdays are once again, the, the kind of my coaching days where I'm working with coaching clients. Um, a lot of Wednesdays, I'm either doing uh, speaking for a local chamber, doing some travel uh, to uh, other companies and organizations. And then, of course, Fridays is Fridays is kind of wrapping up the week, finishing up on any tasks that got postponed and then planning for the next week. 
And so I think, you know, setting that ideal week and saying, okay, these are the time blocks when I'm going to do these certain things. Here's the networking meetings I got to go to. I need to attend ribbon cuttings, you know, all of those kind of things when you're first starting out to get your name out is extremely important. It doesn't matter if you're in um, copier sales or you're a business consultant or, you know, you're, you're the CEO of a fortune 500 company setting those, those regularly scheduled habitual patterns is going to help you to become more effective and more productive and showing up even when you don't want to. That's my first, that's my first one. (laughs) The, The other one is that integrity is the currency of leadership and it doesn't matter what it is that you do. You are a leader and your integrity is going to make you or break you. You, you have to under promise and over deliver. You have to show up when you say you're going to show up, be early, you know, um, on time early is on time. On time is late, late, you know, being consistent, you know, being consistent with doing those kind of things. Um, not with just your daily disciplines, but your, but your, um, you're showing up, right. That showing up and, and giving what you say you're going to give. Um, that really, really matters in building the word of mouth that you need, um, the Google reviews that you've got to get, right? Because, right. you know, web, websites are great and everybody needs one, but we all know that the, the Google, the Google is really what's going to drive your, the Google is the drive boss, your traffic. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it really, it is. Um, and so having, learning how to, to set up your, your Google, your Google, um, Google my business, you know, so you're showing up on the maps because a lot of people just go to Google Maps now. Right. Instead of just going to Google. Yes. Um, I do. It so myself. There's all kinds of things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's all kinds of things like that. Um, if you're just starting out um, and then, of course, find you a mentor that's done it and that is willing to share because most people that have achieved some success, they want to help others. Absolutely. Not everybody, but 90 90, probably 99, 95, 99% of most successful people want to help others. One, especially if they have an abundance mindset, they know there's more than enough for everyone. And they, there's something about helping someone else get a leg up that you didn't have that makes you feel good about yourself. And I know that kind of feeds into our ego, but it's true. Absolutely. You know, that's, that's a, work that, on your daily disciplines. Yeah. No, I was just going to reiterate. Yeah, that, that's some great advice, yeah. uh, you know, for startups, for actually, actually for anybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I remember, uh, what was it? Maybe six, seven years ago, something like that. Right around the time that I, I met Michael, I went back to school at, a, at an older age uh, to finish off my degrees. And one thing I did one little thing because I, I am I'm a free spirit. I'm the most. Uh, floating ah, okay. around, I'll jump in the <laughs> wind and just go in that circle and have a great time, you know, and no, no regrets. Yep. Right. So yep. I, I, you know, it, it really blew my mind when I, the realization, uh, Jocko Willink, you know who that is, right? Yep. yep. So his, uh, discipline equals freedom blew my uh-huh. mind. It totally ripped me apart. And, and, uh, I had heard a speech. I actually saw him in person, uh, Admiral McRaven, at, at UT, he gave a speech uh-huh. and, you know, he said, if you want to do one thing to change the world, start by making your own bed. And that's what I was about to say. Is he the guy that said yes. to make your bed? Yeah. yeah. So I took that to heart and I started uh-huh. making my bed. I have not missed one time making up my bed in since since that day. It's been like seven, eight years. Um, yeah. And since then, 
like I, I went back to school. I, I, I met Michael, uh, you know, my mentor. Uh, I've, I've gone through so much change over these eight years that, you know, you, you were to tell me eight years ago that, I mean, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur and I, I have before, but, you know, it, it, it never worked out. Um, it, it, I didn't have discipline in my life. You know, now, you know, uh-huh. I'm still building it for sure. I'm, 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 I'm a pro procrastinator, <laughs> you know, yeah. so I'm work. I work on that, but it's a constant thing that I, it's a struggle, but I'm, I'm happy to get out of the bed in the morning to work on that. Cause when I'm making up my bed, I know like, okay, now I got my discipline. I got my daily routine. Okay. What's next? Okay. I got to brush my uh-huh. teeth, you know? So there's, there's things that are, it's making up my bed. It's like brushing my teeth now. Right. That's, that's how much yeah. consistent I am at it. And so that kind of feeds into everything else, even if it's a trickle, you know, it, it still feeds yep. into the rest of your day and everything else that you do. Absolutely. And, and part of that is, is related to brain chemistry because when you accomplish a task, you get a little bit of a dopamine hit. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And so that, that that kind of energizes you to do the next task. And so if you get up on a Saturday and it's a lazy day and you sleep in late and you're like, ah, I'm just going to lay around all day. Well, then you don't really accomplish anything all day long. And, you know, and that can be kind of this reverse flywheel effect where you where that day feeds into the next day that feeds into the next day. And absolutely. all of a sudden you realize you've gone through a whole week without accomplishing anything. You know, they, so just taking that small step changes everything. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I going back to McGraver, I, I think make my bed is the actual, the, the big view of that. And I'm talking to all my military people out there. We know when we make our bed, we're actually starting our day with a purpose. Um, we're actually trying to create what we have to do, our structure, our day with making our bed. That's the first step of actually putting together what we think we need for the rest of the day to be survivors or motivators or builders of our own demise. Um, we have to have some sort of structure. And I think in the military, that's where it comes from. The structure that many military folks have is the idea that, you know, I can't do one thing without the other thing without the other thing. So it has to be a process, if you will, uh, preparing yourself for the day and make my bed was the first bit of that process. Yeah, absolutely. Same in business. You got to be consistent. And I think the formula that you threw out there about being consistent is, is really the true ingredient of starting success. And one other thing that I would add is, what you do to get you going, what gets you started in your business is the same things you've got to do to keep your business going. Like you never really get to a point where you stop doing the daily disciplines. The disciplines may change, right? Maybe you're hiring a marketer to go out and do the marketing and you don't have to, but then that means that you have more free time to work on the business instead of working in the business, Mm, right? right? That integrity piece, that integrity piece has to be part of your company from day one till the day you die or you sell, right? You've got to make sure that your employees are operating with the same integrity level and values that you do. Right. You know, you, you know, holding your people to, to the consistency factor, you know, those are the things that, that you have to do intentionally and consciously throughout your entire business career in order to maintain that successful level of business. And I couldn't agree more. Wow. Great. 
Yeah, that that is amazing, Ken. You've uh, you dropped a lot of uh, knowledge here, um, <laughs> and I, I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. And uh, you know, I look forward to uh, to many more. Yeah, Ken, you're, well, well, you've always been you exceptional, uh, and it's really been a pleasure of ours to have you here. Uh, I can't tell you enough how excited it was for for me to connect with you once again. So, uh, yeah, yeah, let's not wait so long. I I, I truly okay, uh, enjoy absolutely. and respect what you're doing, and uh, man, there's got to be more people that got to hear what you're doing. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so, man, it's been my pleasure to be here, and thank you guys for kicking off my uh, 2023 podcast tour. Let's go. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> So, yeah, so it'll be great. And as always, Michael, you know, anybody from the uh, the, the Permian Basin that I I can't because you do something so fantastic, like you've got these strategies and all of the great tools to help uh, businesses launch and run well. Um, you you have things in your tool, tool belt that I definitely don't have. And that's why when people call me asking for certain things. I'm like, Hey, let me give you Michael's number. And then I'll text you. Hey, Michael, these people I've given you their number, you know, just, just to kind of let you know that they're coming your way because I, I do believe in what you're doing. Thank you. Um, I think it's fantastic. Thank you very much. And I tell you what, I, we wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for angel being side by side with me, that's for sure. So a team uh, definitely makes this thing work. And uh, I look at you as a team member as well, because I'm telling you, what you do is uh, fantastic in keeping these people motivated and moving forward with the uh, with, a, you know, an innovation to be able to penetrate their markets over and over and over again and being yeah. being to the point where they can be. Uh, what can I say? Uh, be positive uh, to be able to do it. And I think that's the biggest thing of all. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, Ken. Well, it was a pleasure. And uh, thank you so much. And uh, you have yourself a great rest of your podcast tour and an amazing 2023. Absolutely. And for any of your listeners that want to connect with me, yes, you can please. find me at NobleLeadershipSolutions.com. That's NobleLeadershipSolutions.com. And of course, you can always email me directly at uh, Ken Noble at NobleLeadershipSolutions.com. Um, or find me on any uh, social media platform just about yeah. um, at the Ken Noble. Real simple. Hey. <laughs> I was lucky enough to get in on the ground floor and own my name. Yeah. <laughs> Contact us for podcast sponsorship opportunities.